continue with our song service. Colossians chapter 3 verse number 17 says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. This morning I want to sing a song, um, Thank You Lord for Saving My Soul. It's a very short song, but if we think about that song, we have a lot to be thankful for. So this morning I want to sing Thank You Lord, and I want us to sing it as worship to the Lord and praising the Lord, all right? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me. I praise salvation this morning. Let's sing it one more time without the instruments.
stand once again. We'll sing hymn number 175. It's just like his great love.
17 from what no child should have to call a home living life out on the street it's harder to be angry and so alone but one day off in the distance she could hear the strangest words and she ran toward the sound of what her broken heart had heard whosoever will let him come to me i will grant you grace i will give you peace lay your burden down no matter where you've been i will love you still till every wound is healed whosoever selfishness and greed but 80 years have come and gone and life has left him with a much greater need oh how do you start over after all this time has passed then he's somewhere in his childhood these words came rolling back Whosoever will, let him come to me. I will grant you grace. I will give you peace. Lay your burdens down, no matter where you've been. I will love you still, till every wound is healed. Whosoever will. forsaken though you might feel that you are but Jesus is still there waiting for you with open arms whosoever will let him come to me I will grant you grace I will give you peace lay your burden down no matter where you've you still till every wound is healed whosoever will whosoever will whosoever will Man, I'm so glad we have a whosoever God. Amen. I tell you, I tell you, tell you, tell you. I'm so thankful my hope is not here, right? Um, with all the great reset, the new world order, all that garbage that's happening. I'm glad I'm just here for a little while. I got a better place coming. And if I don't go through death, then I get to go in the rapture. And I'm not going to live through some of the tribulation. I'm going to be gone before it ever starts. I'm just a thankful person. I hope you're thankful today, amen. 
we got a lot of visitors here, and I could call names for probably about five minutes. I'm not going to do it, but thank you for choosing to be with us today. And um, nothing, we're not going to put on any special airs for you. We're just going to be us, all right? So John 16, verse number 8. John 16, verse number 8. I do want to mention to you, wow, how did we get to the end of October? Man, has it come quick? I just... Uh, excite you about a few things uh we're going to have thanksgiving here in like next week and then the week after that's christmas and then a week after that maybe two weeks after that you're going to pay your taxes so anyhow that get you a little excited i would remind you that we are voting and i would encourage you get out and vote um Vote early, vote often. I, I don't know why I like to say that all the time, but I do. Uh, but we went and voted the other day, and it was really cool. We went about 6 o'clock in the evening and just in and did it and out. I mean, just that quick, that easy. It made it so easy, there's no reason not to vote, okay? Uh, if you go to the library, if you live in this area, you can go right over here to the library. It starts uh, at 10 o'clock, and it closes at 7 and so uh, you can go through the week, and you don't have to wait and go on the day of election, Brother Charles. You can actually, Brother Charles waited till the day of election in the primaries, and he was taking the youth someplace, and so they had to kind of pause so they could run over and vote and then get on the road with the teens and all that good stuff. So uh, anyhow, all right. John chapter 16, verse number 8. If you found that and you can stand with me in reverence to the reading of the word of God, we'll begin uh, here in verse number 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Kind of exciting when you think about it. You ever feel like the world's getting over on you? Like, why does my life seem so crummy and yet the ungodly are out here and looks like they're having all the fun? That's okay. God's got it. Just, just be faithful in doing what you know to do. Okay? And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. We're going to continue our thoughts along sin today. And the title of this message is Sin Detailed. Sin Detailed. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness and your love to us. What wonderful music we've been able to enjoy today, both in congregationally singing and lifting our voices to you, and then the special music that's been prepared, those who have played instruments to enhance uh, our ability to be in your presence and to worship you, God. We do worship you today. We exalt you. We lift you up. We thank you for being the most high and Awesome God that you are, the only God, the only true God. This world has its imitations, but we know that you and you alone are God, and we thank you for it. And Lord, we pray that you would meet with us today. It's our desire to know uh, and meet with you. Uh, we want to know more about your word. We need to know more about the subject of sin. And so, Lord, I pray today that I would just be a conduit, a mouthpiece, uh, that you would bring forth those things that you've allowed me to uh, study and those things that you've placed in my mind and help me to convey them in a way that bring honor and glory to you. 
we thank you for our visitors here today and uh, just pray that uh, you would meet with us, that you might be honored and glorified and exalted through all that is said and done. We love you. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. And all the people said, Man, you may be seated. So for the last couple of weeks, we've been preaching about sin uh, here. Uh, and uh, today we will follow along with that same thought. And uh, it's become easy for the child of God to become accepting of the world's lack of concern and its realization of the depth and the awful horror of sin. And so the, the, the child of God, if we're not careful, we kind of fall into what the world's thinking is. And the world's thinking is that sin really isn't all that bad. Sin isn't as awful and as horrible as the Word of God makes it out to be. If we're not careful as children of God, we who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, if we're not careful, we begin to uh, read through our Bible, and then we go out and we live in the world, and then maybe we come home and we turn on the TV set, or we turn on the internet, or uh, maybe it's on our phone, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, sin is made to look more fun and more exciting, and and we find ourselves being drawn into uh, a point where we think, well, you know, sin sin's bad. Okay, now we're we're really off base if we think sin's just bad. Sin's bad, but, you know, God's going to forgive all that, so I can go ahead and live however I want to here on this earth, and it's going to be okay, because God's going to forgive me. Um, when I think of that thought process, I think about some guys I used to work with uh, that owned a car dealership, and uh, they were of a certain religious group that on Saturday they would go to confession before the priest and they would ask forgiveness for the sins of the week. They would walk out the door, and I'm telling you, I observed through observing their lifestyle, of watching the way they lived, they were, some were drug uh, addicts, some were alcoholics, they were all partiers, and they never went to church except for that one time where they went to confess their sins to a man. Now, I'm thankful I don't have to listen to you to confess your sins to me. Man, I get depressed enough just looking at my own sin, okay, dealing with it. I can't imagine what that must be. Well, most of them are alcoholics and other things, too, and... Uh, we need to realize that if we as children of God would just take our Bible, the book, and we would read it and study it and realize the awfulness of sin in the sight of God, and we would adopt that as our philosophy, which as children of God we are supposed to, because we claim to be Christian, which is Christ-like, and so what he hates, I ought to hate, and what he loves, I ought to love, what he will not tolerate, I shouldn't tolerate, and those things that he finds important, I ought to find important. It would just do us good if we will adopt that mindset of I want to be like God. I want to be like him. 
We are sons of God, and we need to pray and ask God daily to remind us of the awfulness of sin, that we never become used to it, that we never become dulled by it, that we might recognize how horrible and wicked sin really is. So it brings us to our first point today, the extent of sin. The extent of sin. Sin le- sorry, sin lives and breathes in the entire world. I've traveled uh, the world. I've been on, on foreign fields. I've been in the Philippines. I've been in Taiwan. I've been to Papua New Guinea. I've been in Australia. And, and as I've, I've been in different locations around the world, I'll just say that sin is not just a problem in America. Sin is a problem worldwide. All mankind are sinners. All mankind carry that great weight of sin. It is an issue for the entire world. Therefore, here in verse number 8, chapter 16, he said, He will reprove the world of sin. Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary and died for our sins, and one day he'll set its final judge over sin. He will judge sin that day at the great white throne judgment and those who have never accepted him as their Lord and Savior will be cast into the lake of fire and they're going to join Satan and the false prophet and the beast. They're going to join death and hell and the grave. Praise God for the grave being cast away. And all those who have never accepted God's great grace of forgiveness for their sins will also be cast into the midst of that lake of fire for all of eternity. Those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be with the Lord forever, and those who have never confessed their sins and accepted Christ will spend eternity in eternal separation, in judgment, in the lake of fire. Now, in some ways, that's pretty exciting, right? Because I don't know about you, but... People have been mean to me. They've mistreated me. Can I just be human enough to say there's been some times I thought, you're going to get yours. I'd like to deal it, but I'm not going to deal it to you, but you will get yours. I sat in situations and witnessed certain things, and I thought, if only I had the power that I could write some of this and, and correct some of this, but you know what? I couldn't. It was out of my hands, but one day... One day it will all be made right. One day everything that, that people thought they got away with will be called into judgment. That judgment day is coming. There's a, not only is the entire world that lives and breathes sin, but there's worldwide reproof is necessary because sin is everywhere. And so we support missionaries to go around the world to carry the good news of Jesus Christ We want the entire world to know. Aren't you glad that we serve a whosoever God? That whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, I'm glad that God didn't say, okay, well, you know, you got to buckle your shoes this way and you got to dress this way and you got to act this way and only those who do it just like this, only they are going to heaven. But God said, whosoever shall call upon me shall be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, And you hath he quickened 
who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the, or, I'm sorry, a prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I still remember the first time I ever sat down to preach this portion of Scripture. And I came to verse number 1, and I read, And you hath he quickened. I thought, wait a minute, it's got to be much more than like being made fast, right? So I did the study. The word quickened being, means to be made alive. And I thought, man, I like this. And you hath he made alive. Why is it necessary that we be made alive? Because naturally we're born into this world with the guilt of sin upon us. And if we never accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then the judgment for that sin is eternal separation from God, eternal death. But you hath he quickened. Hallelujah, amen. Can you say that he's quickened you today? Can you look back to a point in your life and say, yes, it was here at this point that Jesus, I met Jesus and I called upon him to be my Savior. Just recently I had an individual come by and uh, he was with a certain group and we're talking and he says, before I leave, I just want to hear your salvation testimony. I said, I love to tell it. Listen, if you're saved and on your way to heaven, you ought to love to tell your testimony. You ought to love to tell others. I, I wonder when people don't want to tell their testimony. Do you have a testimony? And if you have a testimony, why wouldn't you want to tell? Hey, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me when I met Jesus Christ. I said, sure, I'll tell you. I said, I ended up going to a Christian school back in the 70s, and I was a wild child, and uh, my brother had uh, gone to youth camp, got saved, and he started going to this Christian school, and I thought he was a little weirdo. And um, I, was, I was in rebellion and, and living in the world, and hair down on my shoulders, and involved in all kinds of activities I never should have been involved in. And uh, I got in an argument one day in a class. I walked out of class, and, and I thought about the fact that my brother was coming home happy all the time, and, and I wasn't so happy. And I thought, well, maybe I'd just go to that Christian school. And so... I walked in an hour before the barbershop closed on Saturday night. I got my hair cut, and I showed up to school on Monday, and I started going to school, and I started enjoying it. It was smaller. I began to enjoy it, and then I wrote an original oratory, and I went to state and competed with that original oratory, and I won, and then I went to nationals uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia, Jerry Falwell's church. We can throw apples and rocks all day long, but that's not the point. The point is that I was there. And it gets better than that, because the preacher was a guy that's no longer in ministry. Isn't it amazing that God can use donkeys and rocks and men who fall in sin? That night he preached and he said, if you're not 100% sure you were to die right now, that heaven would be your eternal home, you need to know. As a 17-year-old teen, second story of... Jerry Falwell's church, downtown Lynchburg, Virginia. I made my way down. Come down front. 
and I met a guy named Ed Filch. Now, I'd been a part of an active youth group. We would go out to eat, and one of the things, everybody was given a track, and we had to place it in someone's hand. That was the only requirement, to go out to eat, and, and you paid your own way. But I like to be with people. I'm a social butterfly, and so, yeah, I'll do that. So I'd hand out tracks all the time. I even knew the Romans Road, but I didn't know it here. That night, I met Ed Filch. He took me back to a room. He showed me the plan of salvation. I was quoting the scripture right along with him. And he says, have you ever prayed to ask Jesus to be your Savior? And I said, no, I never have. I got down alongside the, a chair in that room, and I prayed, and I asked Jesus Christ. To... Oh, remember what it's like when you first get up after being saved? I hope I never forget. I hope I never forget. It was such freedom. The air smelled better, and it was Lynchburg, Virginia. The air smelled better, and the, the, the sky looked bluer, and the grass, I, I don't mean to be just a dramatic, but it was. It was so much better. This weight that I carried on my shoulders was now gone, and Jesus lived inside, and life was different. And that's the problem with sin, is sin will just suck the life right out of you. But we have the option to do something about it. We can call upon Jesus. We can ask forgiveness, and he'll gladly forgive us. And by the way, so he will do for anyone who calls upon him. So we we'll never take the gospel message to the wrong address because everybody in the world needs to know about Jesus. We who have Christ, he saved us from our sins. We've been quickened and made alive and that ought to change us in the way that we live, in the way that we want to serve God. In the doctrine of original sin, it explains to us that not only is each individual sold under sin from birth, but that this sin is rooted deep into our nature. It's kind of woven into the fiber of our being. We find Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 9, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Listen, those people who would say, listen, just follow your heart, I never tell anybody that. Because your heart is desperately wicked. Don't follow your heart. Don't follow your emotions. You need to think clearly, and you need to look at the situation, and you go, what does God want me to do? If I'm going to follow anybody, I'm going to follow God's leading, what God wants me to do. Until I know that, I'm not going to move. I'm going to wait to follow him. I want to wait to be with him. I want to be in the right. I don't want to have to make a mess here and make a mess there and make a mess there. I'm going to follow my heart and get over here and make a mess. I'm going to, oh, well, I made a mess there, so I'll follow my heart over here and, and I'll make a mess over there. You know, one reason that we have so much problem in America when it comes to marriages lasting is that people are following their heart. Well, that person treats me nice and they make me feel good uh, well, I just can't imagine not living without... Wait, have you asked God about it? Are they saved? Do they know that they're saved and on their way to heaven? Or are they going to be like a ball and chain? You're going to have to drag along the rest of your life. Listen, we, need to, we, need, we can know, we can know, we can know some things. Don't follow your heart because the heart is desperately wicked. It'll lead you to sin, it'll lead you to issues, it'll lead you to problems. 
And you look back over history and you can find many a good man and a good woman who have lived a life and you would look at them and you'd say, surely they're not sinners. Our next point is that all men are sinners. Doesn't matter how good they clean up, doesn't matter how good of a life they might live, the, the fact of the matter is that all men need to be saved. All women need to be saved. Without salvation, none of us are going to get to heaven. No one's going to stand at the gates of heaven, at the throne of God, and saying, I did it my way. It's got to be his way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. J.C. Ryle said this. He said so deep, and it's going to be a little wordy, but just travel with me, okay? I'll read it a little slow. So deeply planted are the roots of human corruption. We'd say, yeah. That even after we are born again, renewed, washed, sanctified, justified, and made living members of Christ, these roots remain alive in the bottom of our hearts and are like a leprosy in the walls of a house. We never can get rid of them until this earthly house of this tabernacle is dissolved. That's good. So I'm a sinner, and I get saved, but just because I get saved doesn't mean that all the sins moved out. The old natural man is still there. And I begin this battle that Paul talked about there in the book of Romans. That that I want to do, I do. And that that I should do, I don't do. And, and battle back and forth and back and forth. And wouldn't it be great if... If we could just get saved and then be made pristine and never have to battle sin again, but that's not the way it is. We will battle sin. Ryle described it as setting in the bottom of our hearts. It's, it's like leprosy in the walls. You remember that in the Jewish uh, faith, they had to, when they had leprosy in the walls, they would take out part of it and the priest would come in, they'd cleanse it and the priest would come in and he'd inspect it, and if it, they couldn't get it all out, the whole thing would have to be torn down. And I just say to you that the only way that you'll ever be without sin in your life is for this earthly house to be gone. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to the fact that this earthly house one day will lie, and I really do. I, I hope it's the rapture here. Oh, boy, that was hard. But I'm looking forward to getting going, man. That'd be awesome. But if I just fall in death and my spirit and soul are gone, that old body of clay, that's okay too. It's got to be dissolved. It's got to be done away with. And when I get to heaven, there'll be a time I get a new body. Check it out, a new body. I wonder if we get to pick the option. Would you still be a redhead, Chuck? Okay. Oh, I'm in the middle of reading what Ryle said. I've got to get back to it. Because it's good. It's good. It's a long paragraph. It's good. Sin, no doubt, in the believer's heart. And you can sit there and say you have no sin as a believer, and I'll just go, yeah, right. <clears throat> sin, no doubt, in the believer's heart has no longer dominion. It is checked 
controlled, mortified, and crucified by the explosive power of the new principle of grace. The life of the believer is a life of victory. The life of the believer is a life of victory. Think about it. The life of the believer is the life of victory. God doesn't want me to live a defeated life. God doesn't want me to live under the weight of sin. God says, look, I want to give you the victory. Well, a few of us are excited about that. The victory. Okay? I've read the end of the book. I win. And if you know Christ, you win. Hallelujah. We're winners. Not for anything we've done. It's all because of what he's done. If he'd never paid that price there on the cross of Calvary, we'd all be losers. In and of myself, I'm a loser. But because of this book right here, I'm a winner. I win. I can be a winner now. I shouldn't wait to be a winner then. God wants me to live in victory. He doesn't want me to live under the weight of sin. He doesn't want me to go, oh, well, you know, this sin is just too big. I can't get over it. This addiction is too great. I can't get over it. Oh, wait a minute. That's not God's plan. God wants you to have victory. And with the right people, you can have victory. With the right motivation, with the right fact that you say, I want to be victorious over this sin. God will give you the victory if you really want it. His desires that we would live the victorious Christian life and not live under the weight of sin and not live under that guilt that comes with sin and not live under those addictions, but he wants us to live a life of victory, not a failure, but the very struggles which go on within his bosom, the fight that he finds it needful to fight daily, the watchful jealousy which he is obligated to exercise over his inner man, the contest between the flesh and the spirit, the inward groanings which no man knows, but he who has experienced them all, all testify to the same great truth, all show the same enormous power and vitality of sin. Mighty indeed must that foe be who even when crucified is still alive. That statement right there is powerful. I'm saved through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. When God the Father looks at me, he doesn't look at Kevin Mensinger's righteousness. He looks at Jesus Christ's righteousness. But there's a battle of sin that continues to rage. And I can either dictate that I'm going to fight that and I'm going to contain it and I'm going to use the power and the victory that God has given me or I'm going to just let it go. Or I'm just going to let it go, not let a lot of people know that it's going, but I'm just going to, certain areas, I'm going to allow that sin to go. That's not the way God wants us to live. He wants you to live in victory. He wants you to have conquered those things. He doesn't want you to live under that weight of sin any longer. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 3 says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. You say, oh, well, you know, I've been saved a while and I've kind of got this, this flesh thing down. Yeah, right. 
because of the inborn compulsion of sin, we need to practice Mark 14, 38. Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Have you ever wondered why that was there? Because God doesn't want you to be a loser. He wants you to be a winner. We don't have to lose to sin. Sin doesn't have to win. We can win over it if we will watch and pray. It says the spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. So most of you know I'm, a, I'm not a morning person, okay? I think there's several of us in here. I kind of sort you out. I kind of know who you are. I'm not a morning person. I'm not one of those when the alarm goes off, I pop out like Mary Poppins. Go, oh, it's so beautiful out today. Oh, the sky's so beautiful and the birds are singing. And I'm like, would you just be quiet? So I just... Like, how many times can I do repeat on the alarm? I get another eight minutes. Thank you, Lord. Another eight minutes. Thank you, Lord. It's pretty bad, though, when it's three o'clock in the afternoon and you're still doing that. <laughs> But hey, there's some days I feel that way. There's some days I feel that way. We need to realize that the spirit is ready, but the old flesh is weak. I want to lay there and hit that snooze. I want to lay there and hit that snooze. And sometimes I'm letting there hitting that snooze and there's something inside me saying you know you need to get up you know you need to to go exercise i hate that reason to get up you know you need to go over there and walk for 30 minutes on that thing you know you know you need to do it but 30 more minutes to the flesh be a whole lot more refreshing than listening to the spirit tell me i need to go over there and do that it's a battle right Am I the only one out on this island? Okay, so your preacher's human, and that's why I'm mad, okay? That brings us to our second point. We only have five, so we're doing really bad. <clears throat> second point is this, the deceit of sin. The deceit of sin. Paul said, Romans seven eleven, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me. Oh, check this out. And by it slew me. Okay, so if you think sin is good, um, that's bad. So another thing is, I hate snakes. I think the, the best kind of snake is a dead snake. Okay, like in pieces, dead snake. Multiple pieces, maybe run over by a car even. But I hate snakes. Let's clarify that. I don't care what kind they are. I, we were out at the farm uh, a week ago, and one of the girls, ah, it's a snake. And my son Nathan goes out there, and he comes in with this snake, and it's kind of wrapped around his legs, holding its head. And I'm like, you're a moron. You're not my child. Get out of here. I don't know who you are. He goes, oh, it's just a harmless snake. Yeah, well, I was talking to him later. He showed me where that harmless snake bit him. I don't care. It should have died. The second that it, he saw it, it should have died. Normal people. But then after it bit him, I don't care how harmless it is. It proved it wasn't harmless. It should have died right then, right? 
It would be like a guy saying, <clears throat> Chuck, I want you to see my new gift. A six-foot timber rattler. Isn't it pretty? I've nicknamed it Sin. It's so calm. It's so, look at it. Let me touch it. Mm, just the thought of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it sleep in my bed with me. One idiot. Oh, I had a, I had a cousin who had a, one of those uh, python, uh, anacondas, the, the boa constrictor. Thank you very much. Had a boa constrictor. And he wakes up one morning, and the snake is in his bed. And I'm like, what do you think he's doing? He's sizing you up for when he's gone. I didn't say that everybody of my genes lineage was smart, okay? Just some of us, evidently. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me, and it slew me. You want to coddle sin? You think it's going to be okay? It's no big deal. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to look at uh, ungodly pictures. I'm going to look at pornography. You think that you, that's okay and it's not going to damage your relationship with your spouse? You're just dumb. You're some kind of special there. I'm telling you, if you think that, well, we're going to bring pornography into our relationship, it'll help us so much more. I'm just saying you're some kind of dumb. To bring sin in, to coddle it, to think that it's not going to slay you when the Bible says it will, is just some kind of dumb. From the very beginning, sin has been deceptive. 1 Timothy 2.14, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. She was deceived. Adam willingly partook. He intentionally sought it out. He intentionally took that, even after what he already knew. It was so bad. Sin is there to destroy us. Uh, Someone put it this way. Sin comes like Judas with a kiss. The third thing, final thing today, is the offensiveness of sin. The offensiveness of sin. Between TV and the Internet, sins become a comfortable thing in the life of the believers. Christians used to never allow language in their home that now comes out of their TV or out of their phones. Romans 7.13 says, Was then that which is good made death unto me? Was that which was good made death to me? Why would we want good to die? God forbid, but sin. That it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Doesn't matter how you dress it up, it's still sin. You can take a pig and wash it up and put it in clothes, but when it gets a chance, it's going back to the waller. Sin in your life will destroy you. Sin is something that needs to be put out of your life, put away. Listen, sins become a few things. Sins become funny Sins become interesting. Sins become dramatic. Have you ever watched a 
there's been times I've, I've watched things and a guy's making a real forceful point and then all of a sudden he throws a cuss word in. I'm like, he didn't need that. It's become dramatic. It's become entertaining. I don't need to listen to... Uh, my, my ears don't need to be garbage cans for entertainment. It's become emotionally moving. It's become no big deal. Oh, it's become old-fashioned and outdated. Preacher, you're just old-fashioned. Thank you very much. It's become old-fashioned and outdated. It's become normal. Well, that's sad. I was watching a, a reel, and there was a, a big deal that went on at a university up in Wisconsin. They had Matt Walsh was going to speak up there. And there was a young man standing there with a microphone, legally, with a microphone reading scripture, and all these gays around him. It's amazing. If you touch one of them, you'd probably go to jail. It'd be like a PETA thing. They pull his Bible out of his hands and they shred it. And then a couple of those morons begin to grab it and eat it. Like, boy, it'd be if they ate it and it became sickness in their belly. That's kind of scriptural, but anyhow. But that's the world in which we live. The, the world it used to be, okay, you're a Christian, that's no big deal. But I'm telling you, out there on the big picture, it's becoming a horrible thing to be a Christian. You may still be safe in your neighborhood and in your group of friends, but I'm telling you, the world as a whole, they have no use for you. Look, just, oh, election time, right? I'm so sick and tired of the commercials. And what are they doing? They're attacking all these people over their abortion stands. Well, you'll never be able to have an abortion. Well, we can't vote that person in. Even if it's going to like risk the life of the mother, which is probably such a minute, 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 minute percent. Oh, you don't want that person because... You know, we don't want to consider if they're smart enough or what they might do to help our state. Or It's because they're standing on abortion. Ooh. That's the world in which we live. It's become normal. It's become normal not to be normal. It's become normal for guys to dress up like girls. And the sad part is, is that sin is become without consequence. There's no price for sin. Child of God, may I remind you, there is still a price for sin. You can ignore it, you can deny it, you can say, not me, not happening here, but I'm telling you, if you decide to live with sin, there is a payday. There will be payment that will be made because of that sin. I found that it's not necessarily to you or maybe your immediate generation, but the one to come, there is a payment to come. You go through the Old Testament, you'll find this like three years or three generations. There is payment. Society could not be more mistaken. If we go to society to figure out how we ought to do stuff, we're really in trouble, okay? Don't buy the lie, Christian. 
Stay with the book. Sin is a grave and grievous offense to God. In Revelation 21, 27, it says, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, talking about heaven, neither, what, who's, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. In Habakkuk 1, 13, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. I like that. So you can have it. Habakkuk 1.13 Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil. Teenagers, you're of purer eyes than to behold evil. Remember the song when, when we were little kids? Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little ears what you hear. Oh, be careful little feet where you go. It's so true. We're trying to help our kids to learn that so that as they get older, they would apply it and go, I got to be careful what I put in front of my eyes. I got to be careful what I listen to. I got to be careful where I go. I got to be careful who my friends are. I need to be careful because, especially you young people, you're pure. I hope. Don't allow the world to destroy you. Don't let a, you let a little in and it's going to want a little more and a little more and a little more. My brother-in-law had the testimony that he never smoked, he never drank. I'm like, man, I, I wish I'd had that testimony. Can I say that that testimony ought to be something that we applaud in the realm of Christianity? What, you've never... You've never drank alcohol? Good for you. Well, you've never smoked a cigarette? Man, I wish I could say that. You never did dope? Man. You never looked at pornography? Man, that's awesome. You've never heard a cuss word? Whoa. Or you've never said a cuss word? Yeah. That ought to become what we would want. Amen. Rather than go, oh, well, here's the TV and the remote and, you know, go in there and babysit yourself. And, yeah, we've got all the cable channels. You just watch whatever you want. That's okay. James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. Ezekiel 18.4 says, Behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it is shall die. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And Psalms 9.17, it says, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. The typical unsaved man has no idea how offensive his sin is in the eyes of God. He does not realize it has already brought, bought his death. Sin has bought his death and will soon bring him to an eternal hell. He laughs, he scorns, he mocks, he derides, and otherwise ignores any abomination to the contrary. He cultivated his sinful attitudes and actions. He prides himself in his ability to sin with seeming impunity. He embraces his killer intimately and willingly until long after she has chained him. His deeds, speech, and thoughts are all marked by sin, 
infected by it so deeply he rarely even notices anymore. And he's running a ghastly risk. The truth is that not only is the lost man's sin so offensive to God, but the sin of his own children is extremely sinful. 1 Peter 4.17 says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Hebrews 12.11 says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyful. Anybody love to be chastened? Love to be disciplined? I never did. But it's grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. He cannot abide in sin. That he would love sin more than I love him breaks his heart. Talking about God. It grieves God to no end. My sin is no light thing. No little thing easily overlooked because I am a product in his service accomplished in ministry, are useful to the cause of Christ. My sin stinks in the nostrils of a holy God, and it would well behoove me to meditate upon these things. Lord Jesus, I love you today. I thank you for your great love to us. God, thank you for our salvation. My name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, God. My sins are forgiven. Thank you, God. As in the book of Ezekiel, it says that he took my sin and he cast it over his shoulder. Thank you, God. Thank you to know that when this tabernacle of clay would die, that I'll step into your presence. Thank you to know that in the rapture, if you would come, this tabernacle of clay would stay behind, but my soul and spirit will go to be in your presence where a new body awaits. God, thank you for that. Lord, help me, help us to seek to live holy lives. Help us to learn to hate sin the way you hate sin. Help us not to, to try to just walk behind the world Help us not to think that sin's just a light thing. It's no big deal. It's not going to hurt me. God, help us to realize that sin destroys people every single day of our life. Help us, dear God, to hate sin the way you do. Help us, dear God, to walk with you. We ask these things in your blessed name. And would you stand with me? Have a moment of invitation. Good sing just as I am. God spoke to your heart. The altar is open. Encourage you to come, whatever you need.
God, how you can know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. You need Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'd encourage you to come today. Let's take a Bible and share with you how you can know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. Whatever your need is today, would you come? So uh, today is a teen fundraiser. Um, we did this last year. Uh, they fixed a, a meal, uh, Mexican food. If you're interested uh, in staying, uh, it's donation, okay? And this is to help them go to camp. And so if you can stay and you want to help, uh, be a blessing that way. Uh, if you can't stay, you want to be a blessing to them, that's okay too. Uh, but uh, they've got chicken and beef tacos if you're interested. Um, and then, ladies, Thanksgiving this Saturday at 5.30, there's a sign-up sheet in back. Next Sunday is Fall Back Sunday, Daylight Savings Time. Just fall back one hour, okay? Uh, and then uh, we have guest speaker on the 13th, Brother Martin Kuhn. will be acknowledging our veterans and encourage you to be here for that day. And then we'll observe the Lord's Supper as a church body on November the 22nd at 7 o'clock. It's Tuesday there will be no Wednesday night church that week. Uh, we'll take the rest of the week off for Thanksgiving, come back on Sunday. And then uh, something to put on your calendar, December the 13th uh, will be the choir cantata, uh, Christmas choir cantata. And um, so uh, just recently as a church, we voted to change our evening services to an early afternoon service. So since we have early afternoon service at 1, uh, we'll have the cantata for the morning service, okay? So at 10.30 you come, we'll have the cantata, and I'll do some preaching afterwards. And then, uh, So anyhow, that's just a change and one you to be aware of. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house, amen? Our God is a gracious God. He's a great, awesome God. Brother Jeff, would you mind coming up and closing us in a word of prayer? Good friend of mine, pastor, is out in Sun City, Kansas. You might need a map if you've never been there, okay? But he's been a faithful servant of the Lord out there all these years. And uh, so if you wouldn't mind, dismiss us and then pray over the people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sermon we heard today, Lord. The importance of going back to the old paths, Lord, and many are leaving, many are praying. And uh, pray, Lord, as we go to battle as communism is now beginning to take over our country, fight back and power the Spirit of God. And be sin is sin. We can't play around with it anymore. Compromise. We're playing games. No more trying to fit in. It's just in the battle. Fight. And just uh, pray that give us that power and strength, the Holy Spirit of God provided. In Jesus' name. Amen.